Hey guys, you're listening to Take the Hit with Official Charts, a podcast that goes way beyond your standard music interview and asks the questions you never knew you needed answers to. My name's Rob, I'm editor of officialcharts.com, a website full of music news, features and interviews, as well as being home of the official singles and albums charts, as heard on BBC Radio 1. Joining me today is (laughs) Gary and Helen from the team. Hello. Hi, how did this happen? (laughs) (laughs) Um, How are you both? Yeah, really good, thank you. Yeah, good, thanks. I'm going to move on to this week's guest, which is the wonderful Sarah Bareilles. Most people will know her as the singer and songwriter of Love Song and Brave, particularly in the UK, where those songs were. Well, Love Song was a massive hit. Mm -hmm. Um, Brave, not so much. It missed the top 40, but it was everywhere. I think it was a big viral hit, wasn't it? I remember lots of people have kind of adapted it as their, their... anthem to well for coming out and for just doing things that they always wanted to do and i remember seeing like schools doing whole kind of mon- like one long shot montage of the whole school singing brave and doing a performance and things like that it just yeah. seemed to take on a life of its own i also have to, i have to admit i didn't realize she'd released so many albums she's released five and she's about to release her sixth amidst called amidst the chaos and four of those went top 10 in america which is huge has sarah been on your radar much helen um Honestly, not massively. So when Love Song came out, that was, how old was I? I was about 13 when that was big. Um, so that's another kind of defining song for my childhood, I guess. And I remember that being everywhere. Like we all sort of played it. We all shared it with each other on Bluetooth on our phones. Old school. So <laughs> ugh, what a what a moment in culture. <laughs> yes, what a moment. <laughs> um, and that was sort of the main in impact that, Sarah had had on my sort of life in general, but I've been seeing a lot about Waitress recently. Yes. A lot. Um, yes. Which has sort of brought her back to the forefront. And I also didn't realise how many albums she'd released and how much success she's had. Um, so I feel a little bit a little bit out of the loop. I'll probably go home and have a bit more of a, a dig around in her <laughs> Well, <laughs> in listen her to this interview and you'll get all the, everything you need to know. All the goss. Yeah. She's definitely one of, life's overachievers that makes you wonder what the hell you're doing with your own life yeah. <laughs> because yeah as you mentioned she she wrote all the music and briefly starred in the musical Waitress which has just opened in the UK after a few very successful years on Broadway um, which is amazing to get a, a new musical mm. that has legs and continues to be a success and doesn't, doesn't just die after a year is really difficult yeah. and the songs seem to have really resonated with people so yeah, for this interview, I met her during a ridiculously busy week because it was the previews for Waitress. And on the one I went to, she also did like a little fan, kind of a fan experience thing where she played songs from her new album, Amidst the Chaos. And so I, I met her at Sony's label offices in a very fancy boardroom. Um, so yeah, let's, let's go for it, shall we? Have a listen. Great. Sarah Bareilles. Hello. Hi. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Good. Hanging, managing. I'm managing. Uh, that looks like a healthy tea. <laughs> it is an herbal tea. I think I'm over-caffeinated this morning already. <laughs> yeah, I think I might be a bit as well. Yeah, I'm at the thing where I've had many coffees and many teas, so I switched to chamomile. <laughs> but what time were you up this morning? Because you were doing... Well, explain what you were doing this morning. Yeah, we, we were playing at the public piano um, at... Like King's Cross? Yes. Um, sorry. No. <laughs> I've been up since seven, and I um, yeah, we, we took the car down there and um, 
surprised some fans or didn't really surprise them. We were tweeting about it. Um, and I played a few songs and did a little pop-up performance. It was perfect. Yeah, it was oh. really, really fun. I haven't I haven't played a show here in a long time, so it's and the only time I've been on stage has been at the Waitress Theatre at the Adelphi. So Yeah. Oh nice. <laughs> yeah. Is it um obviously you do shows all the time and perform in front of strangers all the time, but is it weird doing it in a public place where it's for anyone, yeah. not just the fans necessarily. It's everyone's listening. Totally, I sort of love it. It's you know, busking for the people is yeah. <laughs> like a really beautiful thing to get to do. Um, now it's fun. Other than not having a vocal amplification, it's it's perfect. It's just like that piano is beautiful and bright, and the space is it's so vital to have you know people rushing around you and on their way to things and yeah. people stopping to grab a quick picture and then moving on it's actually kind of beautiful like some other cool like other artists have been doing it yeah so john legend did Fast, one yeah. and, and elton john did one and or at least those are the videos i saw of it yeah it was good really company cool. at king's cross right. yeah <laughs> <laughs> totally. you're also in town for waitress and i was lucky enough to be at the previews earlier this week um, I loved it. It's oh, thank you. it's so kind of sweet and very emotional in parts, and it made me really hungry. I can't <laughs> lie. Um, were they selling pie in? Yes, they sell pie. pie. Yeah, we have a, we have our resident pie maker who's been working with um, some local bakers here, and but that's one of the signature pieces that we have. And one of the things that we do is we bake a pie a fresh pie in the lobby of all of our theaters because there's nothing like that fresh baked pie scent. So there's a literally a brand new pie that's getting made just for the scent of it. And then there's there's um, these darling little mason jars of, of fresh pie that have been made that you can purchase and then take the mason jar uh, home with that's you. That's what they were. Yeah. I thought it was ice cream. No, it's <laughs> because, you know, selling pie by the slice is really messy. So they yeah. came up with, with this very clever way to have people get to take a, home a little souvenir jar, but also um, get a yummy pie. So Also, those London theatres are really old and cramped, so you just end up spilling it over everywhere. I think it would <laughs> be a nightmare. Would, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, are you excited about opening London? Obviously, it's been in, on Broadway for it three years. Almost three years, yeah. Um, so you're feeling like quietly confident and a bit cocky secretly. That, yeah, great. Oh, God, no, never. <laughs> no, because I... Would have seen firsthand, you know, it's it's a hard one thing to get to be able to celebrate every passing year. So we take it really seriously in wanting to launch a, a really strong production here. And um, I think the thing that makes me feel the the most um, just sort of satisfied with this whole process has been getting to sit in the audience and experiencing the show next to. London audiences and just yeah. people that are strangers and I don't know them and they're laughing and they're crying and they're delighting in this story that has become so beloved to me yeah. um, but is new to this brand new audience so um, it's it's really beautiful and we have our incredible cast that are working so hard you know the schedule of these West End productions that eight show a week is so brutal yeah, and I, I can say that from experience I have done the yeah. Broadway schedule so um I just I applaud them for their dedication and their intention and they take really good care of each other too so it's a really kind company it's easy to root for them so yeah that's good they um the audience reaction during the show was great I thought really Amazing. involved and I was actually sat next to some I think real super fans of yours oh. uh, 
they were in tears. Aww. They were. It must be nice to kind of uh, to have just the songs you've written for it so yeah. resonate with people. Obviously, you make people cry in a certain, but in a good way. Yeah. Well, I'm not. I'm never mad at making. I cry so much anyway in my life. I always have. I'm just a very emotional oh, really? person. So I, I, I'm always happy when someone feels vulnerable enough to cry. I think that's a. It's a good. It's a good place to find yourself every once in a while. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, I really, I love this show so much and the, the music means so much to me and it's been um, such a beautiful experience that has truly changed my life in every way, shape and form. I just, I always talk about it this way, I feel like my life falls into two categories and it's before Waitress and after Waitress and really my life is so much infinitely better now because this show has come into my life. Oh, amazing. Yeah, yeah. I, I loved in the intro bit just before everything kicks off you'd reworked one of your songs mm-hmm. into a basically a turn your damn phones off I know. So it's really good yeah, such a nice touch we were trying to think of a clever way to kind of address the fact that phones are so i actually noticed they're less prevalent here but in the states especially oh the phones are just a massive problem i've heard it lots bad. of filming Thanks. during the show so we're trying to think of a way to keep it lighthearted, but also remind people that we were serious about it being a no phone zone um, but the British etiquette is intact, so good Excellent. on you. Excellent. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you're also here to promote a new album, yes. Amidst the Chaos. And I was lucky enough to hear some songs after the show yeah. uh, with a few fans as well. At our awkward first date. <laughs> I was sitting on the edge of the stage playing for, you know, as you were there, um, but playing for the, a handful of fans. And it was so funny because the, the theater's huge. And so yeah. it felt like either there should have been more people there or or we should have like all been huddled in yeah, a circle in a or something. Room or something. <laughs> yeah. It was so funny because everybody was, we didn't know where to look when the song started. It was cute. Yeah, I wanted to ask, because obviously in previews the waitress was, but it was actually the real scary bit playing songs to people from the album. being like, It's always interesting. Yeah, I mean, you know, the nice thing about waitress is that I get to just literally sit in the back of the room and creep out you know, before the curtain calls finished, so yeah. I don't have to experience it in the moment. But yeah, I'm I'm re-entering this phase where I'm sort of standing in the the center of a presentation again. You know, I'm I've made this record and I'm really proud of it, and now it's time to share it with the world again. And it feels really good, and it feels really um, cathartic, uh, but it does feel foreign a little bit because I've been living in this other space for the last five years five or six years yeah is it kind of retraining your brain in a different way i think making so. songs for shows must be so different it is yeah it's really and i think the thing that's the most different about the process is that making a musical is um so intensely collaborative it's not it feels like you're on a, on a sports team with someone like you're there's nobody is acting alone and every move you make is in relation to another department and so um, the the insular nature of of writing music and being a songwriter is it feels a little bit foreign to me right now so you know in making this record it was actually nice some some of what I took from waitress was that collaborative nature and I did more songwriting with people, I did more co-writing, and then going back into the studio, it was a beautiful collaborative experience with T-Bone Burnett, my producer, and um, 
that part was really wonderful. And now comes the collaboration with the audience. So yeah. it's just baby steps, and I'm, I'm taking a lot of what I learned and, and trying to just embrace a new, new perspective. Yeah, I'm gonna say what, what I heard of the track so far, what really kind of struck me was the musicality of the new songs. Mm -hmm. And that's always been there, obviously. Yeah. But like you say, working with T-Bone, who's worked with, who's it again, like, uh, uh, an array Alison of incredible projects. I mean, the, I got introduced to him back I mean, he's worked with just about you name it. Yeah. But, um, uh, I, I got introduced to him through a record he did with a band called Counting Crows, and they had a record August and Everything After. And that is one of my Desert Island records, so I'm one of those artists that really, I mean, I, I wore that album out. <laughs> but um, no, T-Bone is, is a really prolific, um, wise, sort of oracle artist. He, did, he, he was such a... a beautiful teacher in, in this process and um, one of the things that he really is so vigilant about is um, just taste and um, performance as opposed to crafting something with a digital media you know I mean you know, right. as opposed to crafting a perfect performance he's just really interested in capturing a performance that feels perfect, even if it, in its imperfection. Yeah. Do, do you know what I mean? Yeah, there's yeah. definitely moods yeah. in the songs. It's, yeah. uh, it's a, there's like nice vibes and certain moods are created through yeah. the I think production. That's, and I think it's something that I really craved right now. I don't know if it's just because I am so, have been so impacted by the political climate um, and the amount of media it just like we're so inundated with screens and technology all the time that I was really craving something that felt organic and there is nobody better on this earth to make an organic record, like an organic sounding record than Tebow Burnett. Yeah. Uh, one of the tracks I loved immediately when you played it was Same Honesty. Yeah, Same Honesty. Oh, what a great song, you said it was done in one take. Yeah, that was one of the ones that we, I sang and played piano as the band was tracking and we just, we all just, got the song and so that's that's a lot of artists do it that way but I, I have never really done it that way so that was extraordinarily special for me just it felt like a rite of passage a little bit it's really good track thanks St. Honesty listen to it <laughs> thank you <laughs> um, one of the other things you mentioned during that little playback you did was again you mentioned it just now actually political kind of political slant to this album there's a lot of love for Obama, by the sounds of it, in him. the track. <laughs> Where is I he? Miss him. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I'm. I'm, you know, not alone in the fact that in the last couple of years I've gone through my own sort of personal political awakening, and I'm sort of embarrassed to say how disengaged I have been in my life. But um, all of that is to just say that I I find myself more. Um, sincerely engaged in what's happening um, globally and politically, locally as well. But um, I, I find that as a, an artist, what I want to be able to discuss is the, the sort of emotional component of that. Mm. I think um, as opposed to doing anything that sounds preachy, which doesn't really resonate for me and I can't tell anybody what to do in that sense, but I really think it's a, it's a good time for us as a as a people in the world, all over the world, to just like examine who we are and, and what we're what we're capable of. And so 
I, I think that those themes do run deep. Yeah, I suppose it's it is good, isn't it? Those times like it's everyone seems to be more politically aware. They seem to be educating themselves. I mean, that's the good thing. It's coming think, out of. I really do. I think it's a it, it, there. There's only one way to look at it, and it, and that's with like the sense that everything happens for a reason, and yeah. and look at all these incredible movements that would not have been fueled with such attention and devotion. You know, the new feminist movement, the Me Too movement, like Time's Up, like all these, all these um, sort of consciousness movements that are about asking harder questions and sort of demanding more of ourselves. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's a clumsy time because so much of this is brand new. So we're not getting it right all the time. But I think at the end of the day, to be able to have the perspective of, of looking back and going, but at least we're asking deeper questions. We might, we might not know what we're aiming at yet, but it's a beautiful thing to be asking, asking deeper questions. Yeah, yeah. And the album itself, just, it's a great escapist kind of, like you say, it's like a yin to the yang of... of the craziness of the world. Yeah. But by the sounds of what I've done so far, the yeah. My Just hope that. is that it feels comforting mm. that people don't feel um, alone. I mean, that's what I always have hoped for my records is that people can sort of relate to the messages and feel themselves. I mean, I think as a songwriter, it's my job to try to articulate things that people are trying to say but might not know how to. So um, I hope there's some of that on the record. Are you ready to play? I'm Keep ready. <laughs> so to explain, we've got this fine bingo machine here. I'm touching it. It's Sounds very, expensive, it's, doesn't it? Yeah. What is that? <laughs> Porcelain? <laughs> <laughs> and the numbers that you turn out from the bingo machines, you're going to turn this, okay. this bad boy, um, correspond with songs and where they sit on the UK's best-selling singles of all time list. And the, I'll ask you questions based on those songs. Okay. Let's go. So I just turn it like this? Let's, let's go for it. Let's do oh. it. Oh. Number 15. Number 15, it's a classic. So the 15th. <laughs> Dropping the balls over here. There it is. You've even put it in its number place. Of course on I the did. Board. I'm an A student. Yeah. Type A. So the 15th biggest selling single of all time is Brian Adams' Everything I Do, I Do It For You. Oh, what a song. Cute. Robin number one in 1991, sold 1.86 million copies in the UK. It's also one of the longest ever number ones, longest reigning number ones in the UK. About 16 weeks. It's a long time. It's a long time. Good for him. Good for him. And I absolutely danced to that song. <laughs> well, like junior a, high or something. Is it like a prom? It seems like one of those, like a junior high dance, yeah. high school dance. Yeah. Yeah. So my question for you is. What's the kind of nicest thing a fan has ever bought you or, or done for you in the sense of sort of made you carry on doing what you do? Is, is there kind of fan stories that you get? Oh my gosh. I could go on and on. It, I get choked up thinking about it. Um, I have so many incredible little vignettes in my mind about letters I've received or gifts or offerings or just like the, the great attention to detail, beautiful drawings. Um, one thing that sticks out is that I have, a, I have a small fan community that is the Sarah B fan community and they have Sarah B fans. Um, they've been around since like the beginning. They are like OG fans. Nice. And 
Um, they gave you a sensible fan fandom name as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, they didn't like call themselves something yeah. stupid. That page as well, <laughs> yeah. season well at the time. Right, totally. <laughs> um, and they, uh, they're very sweet and have given me many gifts over the years, but there was one, one year that they compiled um, a whole book of letters from people from all over the world. And, um, and it was just really beautiful. It was this beautifully big bound book, um, like a scrapbook pulled together and it was um, notes and pictures and trinkets and it was just a really, it was a beautiful keepsake of, of so the idea sweet. of the community at large. And one of the things I love about them is that they like, whether or not I'm involved, they, they come together as a community just because they, they happen to have found each other through my music, but they're their friends outside of it, which I sort of love that, that if I could be like a little yenta, like a yeah. little, little matchmaker oh. for friendship, um, that's a beautiful thing too. Where do you keep all the things that, do you get lots of fan gifts, like where do you put I do, all yeah, I do. Um, sometimes it's in, I have a lot of stuff that's like sort of near my piano and in my studio space, um, and, and I keep keepsake boxes that are just, you know, kind of tucked in my closet that have lots of letters and sometimes I pull them out and I'm still going through fan mail right now from Waitress because I don't usually have a physical address people send things to, but people send a lot of mail to the theater. Right. Um, so I'm going through fan mail now, which is just, it's really sweet, but I'm very slow about it. <laughs> lots of people have tattoos with my lyrics on them. I've done a lot of handwriting of tattoos for people. Yeah. Yeah. That feels like a big responsibility. Oh my god, tell me about it. I know, the, well, even just the writing of yeah. it, I'm like, I don't know if my handwriting is worth getting it on your body, but you do well, you. What if you looked at it and went, not my best handwriting, but Then I write it over again. <laughs> I have to at off. least make it passable, yeah. <laughs> Should we go again? Mm-hmm. Really? Hey, there it is. Okay, 33. So the 33rd biggest selling single of all time is Britney Spears, Baby One More Time. Yes, girl, get it. Um, number one in February 1999. It was 20 years ago. Oh, jeez. I can remember that very clearly. Oh, yeah, me too. It was everywhere. It was. It was everywhere. It was like, it was actually as if an alien had landed from another planet and we Literally. were all like, who is this creature? Like, I'm obsessed. <laughs> also, I don't really trust people that say they don't like that song. I know. How can you not like that it's song? It's a good song. I was talking about this song kind of recently, actually. I, I th- actually think you just got to give credit where credit's due. I mean, it's a, a good song is a good song. It's and a, good a lot song. of those pop songs, those super pop songs from the 90s especially, they, they were just easily played on a guitar or a piano. Like, they just exist. You know, yeah. we, we were pre-producer like producer pop, where, where it doesn't really exist outside of the, the actual track. But, um, yeah, no, it's really cool. The, um, my question is, is there a moment in your career so far that you would like a do-over on? Oh my, this is hilarious. Yes. Uh, I performed with Taylor Swift at her Staples concert, um, and we were doing my song Brave. And she was, so she's in the arena at Los Angeles, in Los Angeles. It's massive. I don't even know how many people. <laughs> 50,000 people, probably, something like that. So, really big audience. And I had my in ear monitors in, so, which is normal for that size stage yeah and I was on the the elevator lift at the back of the stage so so she's introducing me I can hear all the screaming teenage girl fans and 
So then the elevator starts to go up and I come up and I'm at the top of the stairs at the back of the stage and the crowd's going wild and I hear the music start and the screams are so loud that I could not hear the pitch reference for the song even a little bit. I had no clue where the music was. I could hear the rhythm, but I could not hear the piano at all. And I just had to start singing and I picked some notes out of thin air and I could tell immediately that they weren't the right notes and I pulled one of the in-ear monitors out, but I couldn't get over, I couldn't hear anything over the screams of the audience. I looked down at the music director and he looks up at me with this like perplexed look on his face like what are <laughs> what noise are you making right now? So I spent the first uh, half of that verse just like searching for the pitch of the song. I had no idea where it was. What song was it? Brave. You're doing Brave. Yeah, my song. Was yeah. this uh, was this the 1989 tour that she did? No, this was a tour I should probably know the name of, but I An don't. Earlier one. Oh, yeah. so this is before she was doing her big, like, presenting to the stage. And she did, like, a phase of... Yeah, well, she was... Yeah, we were in the middle... It was that. It was where oh, she right. was bringing people out every night. Was that the 1989 tour? I think so. Oh, cool. Do I sound old yet? <laughs> <laughs> what are the kids doing these days? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was pretty embarrassing. But moved on. And I sort of wish I could do it over. Actually, the part I wish I could do over is how hard I was on myself about it. I was so hard on myself about it that I kind of like didn't have a good time. And I that's the only thing for all you people listening out there, that's the thing I wish I could do over. I don't care about fucking up. Is it okay to say fucking? Okay. Um I actually care less about fucking up and every time I screw up like that, I always when I get a little ways away from it, I always look back and I'm always like, God, I was just so mean to myself about it. Relax, Sarah. Did you get to meet Taylor? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. She's super sweet. Really sweet. Very generous host. Um, really loving. And um, actually was so sweet about the fact that I was so upset about the song. And she was just really, really loving oh. about the whole thing. Looks very like, kind. I guess it's one of those things that's very, it's very, like, artist-specific. Like, most people can't relate to having an inner monitor and... Like, it's right. something I've never experienced. I can't right. imagine how lost I would feel totally. not being able to hear anything. No, <laughs> but most artists it. have had something where there's a technology, yeah. uh, like a technological difficulty. And Is that when you keep seeing people on TV like, just ripping out their earpiece? Yeah. And they're like, I can't yeah, sometimes, so, yeah. Because the sound changes a lot from, based on how many people are in the room. Right, So, if you, okay. you might get a, a mix that sounds amazing in your ears, and then the sound changes quite a bit depending on who's in the room um, or at least it did for me <laughs> and likewise is there a, like a really great moment in your career you'd love to relive again if you had the chance oh yeah um, I've had some pretty I think I would love to let's see what oh my gosh there's so many like they're like it feels like champagne bubbles coming up right now <laughs> like all these like memories this is going to sound like I'm bragging but it actually was just like a really um incredible night and talking about Obama again um, but I was at Obama's birthday party at the White House and it was one of the cooler things I've ever gotten wow, to do wow that my is life. really cool because it was it was like everybody turned in their phones it was casual they're in slacks and the kids are in jeans and like it was just a house party it was like who, was, who else was there you name it <laughs> yeah you name it but it's like you know that is I, I can imagine what I'd want to sort of take in the room again 
Yeah, I think that's, that's <laughs> part of what I wish I could relive. But it it's just a beautiful. It was a beautiful reflection of kind of you know their their interests and and their relationships coming all together. I mean, people, political people, film, sports, journalism, art. Yeah. It was just a, a huge cross section of all sorts of interesting people. And, um, it was just like a cool to be a fly on the wall there. Should we go again? Sure. Look at you getting it. I got it. 44. 44 is Black Eyed Peas, I Got a Feeling. Yes. Everyone's favorite wedding song, right? It is, yeah. It's the the thing that gets the dance party going. It is, yeah. Uh, A wedding disco classic. Mm -hmm. Number one in 2009. And that's a while ago. My question is, what is the last big night out that you had? Oh God, you're talking to someone who does not go out that much. Let me think. Big night out. I'm really <laughs> trying to think. We're going back. Yeah. What did I do? I've been working on this show for so long. I'm like, Maybe it was in 2009. It could have been. Um, <laughs> to this song. Well, I mean, that it's making me think of being in New York City the very first. This is not. This is not the last big night out I had, but. But a great one. But a great one was um, just when I had I had moved to New York City for a month and it was just one of those nights that I feel like, maybe it happens in London too, but I feel like these sorts of things only happen in New York City where you like, you show up to one thing and then all of a sudden someone's there and they're like, oh, I'm going to this other thing. And you like walk across the city and the lights are amazing and the it's a summer night and it's breezy and you end up on a rooftop party and they're playing 16 candles on the side of the building and... <laughs> They're handing you like fresh popcorn, and then you like get in a car, and you're going to the next thing, and it's a, it's a, it's a an apartment party where they've turned the living room into an outdoor botanical garden. So you like walk inside to go outside, and and then you're like getting you know slices of pizza on the street at four in the morning, and it's just one of those like rambling, amazing little snippets of, of things that in my experience have only ever happened in New York. So what's your ideal night in then? I love making <laughs> dinner. My boyfriend and I do this a lot, just making dinner at home and then, you know, either something nerdy like we do a puzzle or um, sometimes we read to each other. <laughs> um, but, or, or it's like, you know, charging through. Like the last thing we loved on Netflix was... Um, or maybe it was, gosh, it's at HBO. Um, but Escape from Danamora. Did you right. see that? No, oh I Oh my God, seen. it was I've incredible. Heard. I'm forgetting what network it's on now, but um, yeah, we'll do a little, we'll do a little binge watch of something. That's like always a good Netflix and chill. Yeah, know? literally. It really is a, it's a great night. I'm struggling to ever stick to something on Netflix. I'm really bad at yeah. watching. Yeah, well, there's watching. so much content. Yeah, and everyone telling you everything's amazing. So it's hard to curate what you want to. It's really, it is, it's hard, but... I'll take that recommendation. Yeah. <laughs> um, should we go again? Yeah. There it is. I really like There's it. a floor in the system. It is. This is, you guys, come on. Can I talk to the engineers? This is crazy. Okay. 26. 26 is Whitney Houston, I Will Always Love You. Oh, and she will. Yeah. R.I.P. Queen. The ultimate ballad. Oh my god, right? Dolly Parton. Yeah. That one, yeah. Number one in 92. 
my question is, what song or album holds such a special place in your heart that you will never tire of it when it comes on? Mm, I think Fiona Apple title, her first record, right. was a really impactful record for me. I think it had to do with timing and where it arrived in my life and listening to and being a young songwriter and a piano player there was something that was um, really inspiring about seeing someone like her deal with dark material in a beautiful way and a, in a poetic way um, she I think lives in a place that's slightly darker than I tend to resonate but I was so moved by her storytelling and her wordplay and her, I mean, her lyrics were just, the musicality of her songs was just so, so beautiful to me. What about your own songs? Is there one that you just secretly really love above everything else? Um, they're hard to, That's it's hard to talk about those because um, they do feel like my children a little bit, but um, I suppose right now, the song that I, I find that I'm not fatiguing of is uh, she used to be mine. I mean, I hear that song all the time, and I play it all the time, and um, and I think that there's something. I think there's something special about the the resonance that that song is ha is having. There's something that's like that I'm experiencing watching people connect to that song that is extraordinarily meaningful to me. That it it is seeming to to unlock something for people in some way um, and that as a writer is like the gold standard of what you ever hope to like experience with someone you know just connecting with your music yeah it's like I said when I went to see Waitress the fans around me and that was the song yeah. that was being discussed before the thing even started yeah. that's what's being talked about yeah <laughs> oh. I just I love that's so meaningful to me it's so meaningful to me and it would you know, it was the first song I wrote for the show. It was my portal into the world of Waitress. And I actually think there was so much of just channeling Adrian Shelley, who's the writer-director of the film, who sadly is no longer with us. But um, I did a lot of talking to Adrian's ghost while I was writing that, that score. And I feel like she's very present in that song. Should we do it again? Sure. 14. 14 is it's Unchained Melody, but it's the Robson and Jerome ver version, which I'm not sure you'll know, but oh. <laughs> big in the UK, obviously. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, number one in 1995. Unchained Melody, I, I don't know if someone who hasn't covered that song. <laughs> have you covered this song? <laughs> I actually don't think I have. Wait, Maybe now what? I just got a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, my question is, do you have a song that you would prefer never to perform again and you just a bit like kind of wish I'd never done that one mm. so you'd like to unchain yourself from, unchain if you will. myself from oh gosh if I had to choose one that I would give the axe to but it's only just maybe because I've sung it more than any other song and I'd be just like okay we had a good run I'm always gonna move on but it's not because I don't love the song it would be love song but that's just I've, it's just the, one of the first songs, so I like I don't want to be mean to love songs. No, Do you know obviously, what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But I guess it's the one again. They're like my children. Um, but I, I can imagine that would be one you get fatigued with, rather than 
oh, I hate that song. It's just... Yeah, I think... And it, I've just... I've sung it thousands and yeah. thousands of times at this point. You know, I mean, I've, I've been doing this... Uh, well, that's from my first record, which came out in 2007, and I had written it before that. So, you know, it's a lot of years, 10 years of singing the song. But I actually am one of those people that feels like, I don't know, I don't, I don't know if it's fair to your audience to sort of, like, retire yeah. the songs that they loved you for in the beginning, like, the songs that were your introduction. I think it's cool to reimagine or just, you know, throw them a bone and play a snippet at least. I was going to say, you could rearrange them to either, like, a massive dance banger or yes. like a death metal like yes <laughs> well, like where I really want to be you know <laughs> and is there is there a, outside of your own work is there a song that, that is quite popular that you categorically just don't like it's one of those things where I'm, I'm like really thinking about it like I think I'm not as into because I like Ariana Grande and I think I'm not as into Seven Rings until I saw the thing that uh, Lisa Kudrow did where she did you see that? No, I've not seen. But oh I love Lisa Kudrow, so I'm excited. It was just like a little. I don't know who who put it together, but Ariana posted it. Now, I actually, it's one of those things where, like, the more I hear the song, I think I like it more and more and more. When I, but when I first heard it, I was like, I just didn't react to it as much. And but it was obviously everywhere. Yeah, but there's a there's a great clip of Lisa Kudrow from that show she was at the come. The uh, comeback. The comeback. Oh. Where she's going, I got it. Oh, I got right, it. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> my hair? <laughs> Gee, thanks. I got it. You know? So they did this, like, this splicing thing together. It was which was very funny. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you so much for playing Take the Hit. With the... Oh, yeah, with this high quality. Guys, you got to run out and get one. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to sell branded ones. Right, okay, perfect. Um, thank, thank you so you. much. So that was Sarah Borellas. Yeah, she's yeah. Uh, she's lovely. She sound, sound, did sound a bit tired at the beginning, but I think she really got into it. The she, she definitely really got into it. Yeah, she sounds lovely. I think she really liked the bingo machine. I just <laughs> this bingo machine seems to be taking them down a bit, doesn't it? They're, they're struggling a little bit with this yeah. bingo machine. So what did you think? Um, well, I have, to, I have to say that the 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 moment that she would sort of replay in her life would be the Taylor Swift concert where she appeared and sang Brave with Taylor Swift. I... I hadn't seen it, but I went straight to YouTube when I heard the interview, and uh, yeah, I can understand why she'd like to redo it. It's, <laughs> it's, it's not, yeah, not her, not her finest hour, I would say. O- only the the very sort of beginning, she sort of clearly couldn't hear. You could see that she couldn't hear what she was what was coming through the the in ear, as they say. When I used to be in a folk band years ago as a teen. Mm. Oh, hello! Um, <laughs> what? What's this? <laughs> what were they called? I used to. I'm not telling you that. Oh, we'll find it. <laughs> Maybe another day. Um, yeah, I had a, not that it's quite the same level, but I've been there. We played a gig on the back of a lorry and the sound was, sorry to the tech, but it was absolutely dreadful. And I know for a fact I was completely out of tune. I couldn't hear myself. I think my violin went out of tune at one point. Um, and it was one of the only performances we got videos of. Oh, no. And they're on YouTube. And the band was called again? <laughs> I'll I'll show you that uh, <laughs> off air. <laughs> Helen, you're so damn cool. You were yeah. in a cool band playing on the back of a lorry, playing a violin. Yeah, she never told us this. I loved that her ideal night out is actually really having a night in. Yeah, I feel that. Although I haven't checked out that Netflix series yet that you <laughs> mentioned. I need to. Um, I'm super jealous that she got to party with the Obamas. <gasps> yes. That is low-key a dream of mine. Oh, my God. Um, I love them. Imagine being a fly on the wall in that room. <laughs> yeah. I love the idea of them just being like in real cash, tracksuit bottoms, you know, yeah. sitting on their sofa. Yeah. 
Kind of must have been so surreal. They had like a, a multi-pack of what-sits or something like that, didn't they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Help the frazzles. The frazzles, frazzles were frazzle, out. Cheese booth and, uh, oh, I wonder if they do a good sausage roll at the White House. Mm. I don't think they have sausage rolls in America. What? I don't think... I think they think sausage rolls are like... So their pigs in blankets have pastry on, which is obviously kind of like a wrong. sausage roll. <laughs> Very wrong. So wrong. Yeah. Thank you both for joining me. Pleasure. And thank you for having us again. Thank you to Sarah as well, taking the time and a very busy week. Remember, you can check out all the latest music news and charts on officialcharts.com and follow us on all the major social media platforms at Official Charts. And uh, we'll see you again soon.